Do Irish people know that Ireland has been selected as a green sacrifice zone for the so-called green technology renewable energy transition? From the beautiful wilds of Clare, Wicklow and Leitrim to the outstanding natural beauty of the Spurring Mountains of Tyrone and Derry, rural Ireland is on Big Mining's chopping block. This podcast is about the power of community, about how communities of Ireland are organising to stop this disaster happening. For short-term returns, the government wants to sell Ireland to mining interests as silently and quietly as possible. Let's make some noise. We will try to unravel why the Irish government is doing this. Mining is for poor and desperate countries. So why would the government of one of the supposedly richest countries, not just in Europe, but in the world, want to turn rural Ireland into one big toxic dump and ruin the environment for a thousand years? What forces are operating behind the scenes that would allow such terrible decision-making? The mining industry is well known for regulatory capture, where the mining companies write the policy. Certainly, the Irish mining policy is a perfect example of such capture. Never has a policy been more captured by its industry than this. A screed of jingoistic propaganda for mining wrapped up in 40 plus shades of greenwashing with almost every second sentence mentioning the environment or sustainability or the circular economy. You can mention sustainability and the circular economy until the cows come home, get bored, pack up and head off again. But you will never make mining sustainable or circular. Mining is the ultimate in linear and unsustainable. A quite astonishing 25% of the total land area of Northern Ireland and 28% of the Republic of Ireland has been given over to mining prospecting in the hope of turning much of rural Ireland into one great toxic mine. In Scotland, it's 7.7%. In Wales, it's 6.4%, and in England, it's 0.2%. So 140 times more land given over to prospecting in Ireland than in England. Only impoverished countries choose mining, as mining expert Petra Jarr will explain. So why is the Irish government doing this? Have promises been made that Ireland will be the good buy at the big buy table who helps make Europe more mineral secure? Why are Irish politicians and civil servants going to international mining conferences doing a hard sell for Ireland as a mining destination? talking with a wink and a nod about how Ireland's pragmatic environmental regulations work wonderfully. Environmental activist Linda Sullivan has all the facts, such as that Ireland, North and South, has invested heavily in creating a prospecting-friendly geological map of the entire country, the most advanced in the world. 
Ireland is so good at this, Emma Caron from Future Proof Clare will explain, that the Republic of Ireland is rated the most mining friendly country in the world and Northern Ireland is rated the third most mining friendly country in the world. Imagine that. If there was a mining World Cup, we'd be favourites to win it. The Irish government is trying to sell mining as if it has gone through a miraculous conversion and it is now clean and environmentally friendly. They hint at the bad old days of mining. We'll see what a horror show of pollution and sickness those bad old days were and how those old mines have not been properly cared for and are still major sources of pollution. We'll also look at the so-called modern mines and show that they're nothing but the same old story. In fact, we'll find out why modern mining is even worse for the environment than old school mining, how it is much more toxic and produces much more waste. We'll learn about why you should think about the life of a mine from a thousand year perspective. 20 years for perspective. 20 years for mining and 960 years dealing with the toxic waste left behind. We learn how the costs of a mine are nearly always public and the profits private. Inspirational figure Fidelmo Cain from the Spurns will explain with facts and passion why the planned gold mine there will devastate the local water system and biodiversity. Eddie Mitchell from the legendary Love Leitrim group who took on Big Isle and got a nationwide ban on fracking will also address how poisonous to the environment gold mining is and how there is absolutely no need for it. Jacinta Van Roge and Claire will explain why gold mining is about decadence and greed and has no role in renewable energy. And this is the strangest thing in a mining policy that reeks of vested interest and outside influence by investment bankers, international lawyers and accountants. A mining policy that literally can't stop talking about how we need more mining because we want to save the environment with renewable energy. I researched the over 400 prospecting licenses that have been handed out and over 90% of them include the right to prospect for gold. It's a greed fest, a gold digger's paradise trying to sail under the banner of renewable energy. At the last Irish election, Eddie Mitchell asks what part of the manifesto of the Greens, Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael, said that if elected they'd usher in an Irish greed-fest gold rush. I must have missed it. Can someone send me a link? The only green transition that's happening here is the transformation of Irish minerals into greenbacks that are then transferred to some account in the Cayman Islands. It's the greed transition. You'll hear about the true impacts of mining on communities. Poisoned air, poisoned water, poisoned land. You'll hear the heart-wrenching story from Pat and Nuala Gagan and how pollution from Arcanish alumna, which processes bauxite, destroyed their health, killed scores of their cattle, while at the same time, they and their community were abandoned and blamed by the state. 
you'll get an international perspective on bauxite mining from Ghanaian activist Perk Pomier and how bauxite mining devastates tropical flowers. You'll hear about the shocking role of the environment agencies, both north and south, how they facilitate mining instead of protecting the environment, how the regulatory and monitoring systems are run by the mining companies, how the Irish government since the 1970s has marketed the Irish environment with a wink and a nod to multinationals as a cheap dump for chemicals and other waste. It's silent policy par excellence. Environmental protector after protector will tell how the government gives as little information as it possibly can about how there is zero genuine engagement with communities. Anthony McNulty, a Wicklow-based community activist, will tell how when he and a group of local farmers discovered prospectors on their land, the prospectors told them that they had been advised to move everything in at night and move everything out at night and say as little as possible to the locals. It's done in a way to keep communities in the dark, Linda Sullivan says. We hear nothing. Jacinta Van Roy says, everything we've learned, we've had to uncover ourselves. It's not simply the communities. From all accounts, the local councils are given little or no information or say either. You learn why there is no such thing as the green transition, no such thing as green technology, no such thing as clean energy, no such thing as renewable energy. We're talking about levels of dirtiness and pollution, from the absolutely filthy coal to the less dirty solar and wind, but they all pollute. We don't have an energy production problem. We have an energy consumption problem. We consume far too much energy and resources. We must radically rethink our economies and societies and escape the growth debt cult while we still have a chance. There is a movement afoot to protect the environment and build a fair, truly sustainable society. It is often led by strong, determined and articulate women. You'll hear from Fidelmo Kane, Linda Sullivan, Geraldine Ward, Emma Caron, Jacinta Van Roge, Nuala Gagan, Caroline White. They call themselves protectors and defenders of the environment. And they've done their research and they know their facts and their voices are true and clear. They are out there organising and talking to people and they've set up came communities against the injustice of mining. We must reduce consumption of energy and virgin materials by at least 40% in order to begin to live sustainably on this beautiful earth. The first steps in doing this are to reduce mining and reduce waste. We must design products that are materially simpler because, for example, our smartphones can have 70 materials and thus are impossible to fully recycle. A true circular economy, which is essential, will require a radical rethink of how products are designed, manufactured, maintained, reused and recycled. 
ecological economist Caroline White outlines four very sensible steps. Number one, a global approach, emphasising community and science. Number two, clear and binding limits on mineral extraction. Number three, a truly participatory process for decision-making on mining. Number four, democratisation of the financial system and support for community banking. You think that's mad? You think that's impossible? You think that's naive? How mad is this? Since 1970, mining has increased from 25 billion tonnes of material a year to 100 billion tonnes of material a year in 2020. For our so-called green transition, we will need to mine 170 billion tonnes a year by 2050. That's the mass of a Mount Everest every single year. How mad and crazy and utterly naive and debt-wishy is that? The necessary change to a truly sustainable and circular way of living must come from the community. Too many of the political elite have been captured. Community activism is the only way to save Ireland and the world from the mining hell that awaits us. Eddie Mitchell says how the key lesson they learned in getting fracking banned in Ireland was that the only power that could stop Big Isle was the people, the organised people, the community. Let's get organised.